Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. Alright guys and gals, welcome back. It's been a few weeks. A lot has happened, and we will talk about some of that. I am coming to you the day before the Gator Bowl, which we're going to preview, kind of, sort of, somewhat. But so much has happened in my life. We hope you all had a Merry Christmas. You're getting ready for New Year. You're getting ready for Gator Bowl. Some of us got better jobs starting in January, like myself. That's taken some time. I had the kids. It's It's been a wild few weeks. Let's just call it what it is. I plan on doing something like this sooner than today. <clears throat> but we got to the point where I got to do this. But the reality is the Gator Bowl is going to be a small portion of today's show. I don't know how long today's show is going to go, but there's too many unknowns when you're talking about the Gator Bowl. But we're just going to jump right into it, all right? Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. And we are going to start with the Gator Bowl, though. That is tomorrow, 2.30 my time. Irish car bombs will go down probably around 1.30, 2 o'clock. That's definitely happening. We're looking at two eight and four teams. We're looking at number twenty one Notre Dame, who is a three and a half point favorite, over number nineteen USC Junior, USC East, USC Least, whatever you want to call them. They're not the USC that we know and hate. But for this game, we're going to hate the University of South Carolina, and I know my Clemson buddies are on board with that. I mean. They have to be on board with that. University of South Carolina, USC Junior, is kind of an in-state rivalry thing. I know you may not all know that, but being as close to as I have to them, it is absolutely a hated rival. So, and more importantly, we're the only two teams that have beaten Clemson, South Carolina, and Notre Dame. So, you think, oh, we're playing for like a Lou Holtz trophy of some kind? You know, Notre Dame, South Carolina, what's the deal there? Or does like the, does the winner get Howard's Rock? Maybe I need to reach out to my buddies, you know, Beef and Jeff and Zach. I don't know, if, if you win, do you get Howard's Rock because we're the only teams that beat Clemson this year? <coughs> I don't know how that works. But you look at USC Junior, and it's just they beat a bunch of nobodies. Until the end of the year, all of a sudden they they win a few games or two games. Two is a couple, three is a few. They won a couple games because the wins before they beat number five Tennessee and number eight Clemson, which was their ranking at the time of the game. Before they beat those teams, their wins were Georgia State, not Georgia, the number one team in the country. They did play them and they lost forty eight to seven, but it was Georgia State, Charlotte. South Carolina State, which I was like, okay, if USC is like USC, USC, US, University of South Carolina is USC Junior, 
What's University of South Carolina State? I don't even know where you put them in the rankings of USC's. Then they beat Kentucky, who uh, they were, who knows? Uh, they were supposed to be good. They were, yeah, but they're really not good, right? A and M, who cares what they're recruiting? They they're not a good football team at all, and they only beat them by six. Then they beat Vanderbilt. Then out of nowhere, they beat Tennessee and Clemson. In the middle of all that, they lost to Arkansas, Georgia, Missouri, Florida. Basically, any team that made a bowl game, they lost to. Outside of Tennessee and Clemson, who oddly play each other in the Orange Bowl. The orangest of Orange Bowls is Tennessee-Clemson Orange Bowl. It is the Orange Bowl. That needs to be remembered for years to come. Like the, the two orangest teams in the Orange Bowl. Whatever. But... Every team until the last two games, and I'm not sure. Now, the Tennessee game, that was impressive. But the Clemson game, it wasn't that South Carolina did anything magnificent. I don't think Clemson played a good, didn't play a good game. In fact, DJU got benched, and now he loved orange so much, he was like, I'm going to just mix some black into my orange, and I'm going to go to Oregon State. Whatever. We're going to get the transfer stuff in recruiting. Don't worry. That's going to take up most of the show. But that's what we're looking at with South Carolina. Okay? So you can look at records and talk about that. Here's the problem. All of those games I just talked about were with their full roster. And I know we're not... I don't want to and we're not going to be the people that are, well, they didn't have this guy and we didn't have that guy. It's today's ball games. It is what it is. Now, what it does for me is I'm not going through the preview like I normally do. Literally. Uh, if you're a Friends fan, you'll appreciate this. For this game, stats are moo. They're, they're just moo leading into this game. And why are they moo? Because it's like a cow's opinion. Doesn't matter. Stats are moo. It, and even, you, okay, they do have Spencer Rattler, right? But they don't have their top two tight ends. They don't have their stud running back, which... I say stud running back, but they're a leading rusher. And Rattler's been all over the place. He had a few good games and one really good game, which was the Tennessee game. But they're missing potentially 11 starters, defensive guys. Like I said, the tight ends, running back. Notre Dame is going to be missing players, our number one pass catcher, um, which could be a blessing in disguise in terms of looking forward to next year. Which I'm not saying that you just look at this game as, hey, let's prepare for next year. Let's see what we got. There's going to be a little bit of that, and mostly at the quarterback position. But the reality is, you have no idea what to expect. You don't. And even if Drew Pine was still here, <laughs> I'd argue you still don't know what to expect. I mean, this is the guy in our biggest win against Clemson. He was 9 of 17 for 85 yards and a touchdown. That... Doesn't impress me. As Shania Twain once said, that don't impress me much. So, and then he'll come out and have the game of his life in a loss against USC. Now that's on the defense. The, the big USC. The, the USC we know and hate. He has the game of his life, but the defense failed to participate in the game. 
and we get a loss. And then Drew Pine says, okay, I played my best and we still lose. Meanwhile, we won numerous games in spite of him. Whatever. So, who knows what to expect. The one thing I feel like we can count on is special teams. Brian Mason brings it every single week and does his part. So, I feel like... Special teams is all about effort. It really, truly is. It's not about... I mean, yes, there's some scheming. Absolutely, there's scheming. Because uh, it's just incredible what he's done to the special teams unit that we haven't seen in years. But I feel like there's more of a effort element than a schematic design, uh, personnel... You know, all of it kind of goes in together. But if you're not going balls to the wall 100% on special teams, it it, it doesn't matter what all that other elements are. And I realize you should be doing that on every play, uh, offensively, defensively, et cetera. But for some reason, special teams always seems to come down to, to effort. So whatever Mason is doing is working. I'm confident in that angle 100%. I, I truly believe we're, we're going to be fine there. So then you look at, okay, what else? What else we got? What can we even look at? What can we watch? What are we planning for besides a Notre Dame win? You know, we are, we lost to the USC we know and hate. So let's go ahead and beat USC Junior. We get a second chance to beat a USC. Let's take advantage. Um, I You're almost certainly going to get uh, some young guys who have started to see the field. Probably going to see a lot more of them. Worth noting, Jalen Sneed is a South Carolina uh, resident. I don't know how to, how to phrase it. That's where he, He's from Hilton Head. So he's a native. There's the word I'm looking for. He's a South Carolina native. He's going to have <clears throat> probably a ton of family who may support South Carolina. Probably supports him. I don't know. Gator Bowl isn't that far from South Carolina. Um, he's probably going to have a little extra motivation. He's starting to show up better. He was the uh, Butkus Award winner, uh, Drake Bowen. Shout out to him. Same deal. Uh, just He's a guy you're going to see on the field. You know, we're going to get opportunities. I see more Merriweather, which we would have continued to see Merriweather if it wasn't for injury. Uh, and I think it was a concussion. But, <clears throat> hey, things happen. It's football. You're just going to see a lot of young guys get chances and not because, <clears throat> oh, let's see what they've got. No, they're legitimately worthy of being on the field. So let's see it. Let's get them out there. But we have a whole new wrinkle that we haven't had since, what, was it the third quarter? Or was it the beginning of the fourth that Buckner went down against Marshall? That was the last time we saw the quarterback we're about to see tomorrow afternoon. I don't know what I again, you don't know what to expect. Like this whole this should be the I don't know what to expect bowl. And a lot of bowl games probably apply that you could apply that sentiment to. But <clears throat> this one especially we have a quarterback who was supposed to be the QB1, then got hurt, wasn't the QB1, the QB1 transfers out. Now we're definitely going with this guy. Is he was he going to be able to play regardless or are we fast tracking some of this because the only other options are Steve Angeli? And Steve Angeli, <laughs> it's like almost like it's got to be Buckner. So many questions, but 
If they're playing him, I don't think they would risk Buckner in a in just a bowl game that ultimately I'm I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. I, I don't want to say that. But are they gonna risk Buckner in a bowl game that if you win it doesn't really change <clears throat> the season? You're not gonna you know, that's not a trophy that we're aiming to put in the case. This isn't a bowl game in general we aspire to be in at eight and four. So unless Buckner's fully healthy, I don't see why why else he would be out there and ready to run the offense. With that said, we need full Buckner. That's it, Reese. Mr. Tommy, Tommy boy, with your bingo cards, you need to go full Buckner. What that means is everything you thought you were going to do throughout this season – uh, RPOs and read options and you know taking shots with his arm and all that. Do it. No, no, don't be safe. Don't be cautious. Don't be conservative because that doesn't do anything for anybody. You know. And uh, I saw on Twitter somebody put that this is almost like a a job interview for Buckner because, and we'll get to it. We're circling all the way back to this, but there will be competition come spring football for Mr. Tyler Buckner and the QB1 position. That's happening. So it's in his best interest to play his best game. So we have confidence that whoever comes in, Sam Hartman, is number one, legitimate competition, and number two, if that doesn't work out the way we expect we have confidence in the next man up, Tyler Buckner. You know, this is also an opportunity for Reese to show what he thought the offense was going to be. Like, here's what I thought we had coming into the season. Now, granted, the blocking in games one and two were less than ideal. Blocking has improved significantly. You know, we, we talked about it all season, guys. Pine had... So much time, so much time to only find Michael Mayer. Very odd. Very interesting. But if Buckner has this kind of time, I I, I just think it, it's really going to show you what Buckner's capable of. Um, does that mean he's going to be QB1 2023? Not sure about that. I just, I want to see... Reese, because I feel like Reese is, has a little bit of a opportunity to make a statement, and he needs to. You know, I, I believe he needs to do that. Because the the what he thought was going to happen kind of fell apart on him. It, that was not his fault. But he just, he's really frustrated us over the past couple years. Here's a chance. Here's the guy you wanted. Here's the offense you thought you were going to run. Let's run it. Let's see it. Okay? Let's do it. So we'll see what happens. And that's... I don't know what else to say about the Gator Bowl. I really don't. Um, you Like I said, South Carolina is missing too many people uh, to really worry about their stats. Their stats are literally a cow's opinion. That does not matter. Because they're, those stats are you know, built 
on players that are not playing in the game. So how relevant can they be? And on Notre Dame side, we're only missing a few guys. So, But the, the biggest piece of the puzzle is Buckner, who has no stats. We have no idea what to expect. We should be able to still run the ball. Those key pieces are still all there. The running backs, the linemen, that should not be a hindrance. And the fact that USC Jr. is missing defensive starters, we should be able to run the ball. However, I still want to see what the offense was supposed to look like with Tyler Buckner. Um, I think Notre Dame wants to see what the offense was supposed to look like with Tyler Buckner. You know, Reese and Freeman and, you know, the whole staff. Like, okay, what was this supposed to look like when we had this all planned out? So, we'll see. Um, Notre Dame's only a three and a half point favorite. <clears throat> I think Notre Dame wins by at least 10. But it's not a game I'm going to bet. There's no way. There, it's just, it's too many unknowns. There's <clears throat> too many. We have no idea. Just the what not, what, uh, I don't know what to expect, Bull. So I don't know what to expect. I ain't about to bet on something I'm not comfortable with the knowledge I have which isn't very much in general. But specifically for this, I really don't have <laughs> much more knowledge to... That's all I got. All right, so enjoy the Gator Bowl. You know, it is a Friday, but the next day is New Year's Eve, and we can make that Saturday count, can't we? We can make that Saturday count if you'd like. I know Christmas passed, but maybe there's birthdays coming up. Maybe you want to celebrate the New Year... With a t-shirt that says, only so many Saturdays, make them count. And hell, I might wear that on New Year's Eve. Because it is a Saturday, and damn it, we got to make that one count. It's New Year's Eve. I'm about to ring in 2023, and in, what, less than a week from me kissing my wife at midnight, I'm going to be starting a new job in an industry that I've busted my ass to get to where I'm about to get. Hell yeah, I'm only so many Saturdays make them count. You know where I'm going. Go to only so many Saturdays. Go to SaturdaysCount.com. Get your only so many Saturdays T-shirt. Any color, any size. Go there. Put promo code ND5, forty percent off your entire order. I got one for my dad for Christmas. You know, I I'm using my own promo code. You should too. Go out there. They still got it running. They're still doing it. These guys are good. They got a good thing going. It's it's so literal. <clears throat> and really, for what? Um, Muck Fishigan, for Go TCU Horn Frogs, for UGA, and for Ohio State, it will be an only Saturday, it will be a Saturday that need to make it count. But we're rooting for TCU and I don't like Georgia or Ohio State, but man. Fuck Michigan. Fuck Ohio State. All right. Go Georgia. Go TCU. We can enjoy those games. Kind of sort in the background of the party I'm going to have at my house. <clears throat> but shame on college football, by the way. How can you... They keep doing it. And, I like... They not get it? Like, the TV's going to be on... And, I don't know, unless you're just a diehard fan of that team, like, it's going to be on, but I'm not going to be butthurt if I missed a play because I'm 
trying to do shots or but who knows what. You know, we don't have a keg, but maybe we should get one just so I can do a keg stand of some kind. That'd be fun. But point being is December 31st is not the time to have the biggest games of the college football season. Just a thought. But what do I know? I'm just a five-foot-nothing dude sitting in a chair in Corpus Christi, Texas. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But Saturday will count for those guys. Go get your shirts. ND5, promo code, 40% off. But we have a game on Friday that we need to win. We're going to make that one count. So you know I'll be there with the car bombs. Gator Bowl talk, pretty much done. That's all I got. Now, more pressing issues like recruiting and the portal, which holy shit. Like, I don't know where to begin. I'm going to start with just the recruiting stuff and we'll talk the portal, but the portal is really going to boil down to one thing, the quarterback. I mean, because we still have guys that may enter, may not it, after the bowl game. Well, you know, we'll see. But the recruiting stuff, man. Like, it's wild. You, If you told me, hey, by the way, you're going to have a commitment from five-star Peyton Bowen, five-star Keon Keeley, silent commitment from five-star Dante Moore. You're going to have, uh, why did I forget his first name, Lamar and Dylan Edwards. You're going to have all these dudes, and they're all going to decommit and all go somewhere else. But somehow, you're going to have the best class since 2013. I said there's no fucking way. It's like you can't lose that many high caliber, high quality players and still end up with a top 10 class. Well, guess what? Marcus Freeman did. NIL be damned. And I don't even know why I'm calling it NIL. Notre Dame does NIL, where you actually earn money for your name, image, and likeness, regardless of. You know, the, the specifics in terms of, okay, is it, you do autograph signings? Is it um, just appearances? Is it, you know, whatever the details are, you're actually earning money for who you are and, you know, what you're doing off the football field. And I stress that because this quote-unquote NIL stuff is becoming... You're just literally getting paid for what you do on the field. And there's no... The spirit of the NIL is completely being drugged through the mud and shit on. And no one in a position of power seems to care. It's wild. You know, I feel like... If there was some sort of regulations, Notre Dame still would have held on to Bowen and Keeley. Now more, who know? I don't even know about Bowen, man. You know, the bullshit he pulled, that really, <clears throat> I don't, I don't, I mean, I care that he flipped, obviously. We'd love him to be at in South Bend, but I don't care for the antics. And then he got a real good PR person to write up something real nice for him that uh, <laughs> he felt bad. He flipped and then flipped again. He did a kickflip McTwist from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 to go from Notre Dame to Oregon to Oklahoma, but good for him. But the hat, like the, that was just a, not a good move. Like very, very poor look to literally 
put on like I'm gonna stay with ah just kidding like what you're an asshole look at you and mom with her hands her head in her hands like oh my god what did my son just do yes that's how we all felt Mrs. Bone but uh, you know I don't know if the NIL um, how it's changed Changes Bowen because he seemed to be all over the place. Dante Moore clearly all over the goddamn place. And I, you know, I saw them. Oh, the Oregon's OC left, so that's why he's leaving. Well, he went to Arizona State to be the head coach. If it was all about the OC, why didn't he follow him? Uh, he followed the money. Got it. I just, it's whole thing's crazy. Keon Keeley, he seemed to be um, a legitimate. If it can even phrase it that way, decommitment. Yeah, there were some NIL things, but <clears throat> it's hard to argue Alabama. I just feel like if you're going to Alabama, you're not necessarily chasing the bag because, I mean, Alabama has a proof of concept for how many years now? It's You'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to say, well, the only reason Alabama's been successful is because of the bag. I I can't fully buy that. So, you know, when we lose him, then Lamar leaves, which I think was more a product of the running back room as it looks. Dylan Edward leaves because Coach Prime is Coach Prime, whatever. Uh, but even with all that said, all that said, Number eight class, best class since 2013. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but we it, for the 20 class of 2023, we have the second most four stars. In fact, we're tied for second. Georgia has 21 four stars, and Alabama <clears throat> had 20. Now, I realize Bama had also seven five stars, and Georgia had two five stars, and we had no five stars. But my point is, there's there's not a ton of five stars floating around. There are a significant amount of four stars, and quite honestly, the four stars we've gotten are kind of high four stars. We're talking grades that are 95 or better are, what, top four guys? So it's, it's not like they're low end. And in fact, Bowen at one point, Drake Bowen, was a five-star at one point. I want to say Jagasaw was a five-star at one point. Brandon Vernon was a five-star at one point. But, hey, this is the stupidest thing you'll ever hear, and it's true. It's so dumb, though. These kids lose ratings and stars. And I say these kids, it seems to happen with Notre Dame players. And it's not Notre Dame hate necessarily. It kind of is, kind of isn't. But these kids are losing stars because guys like Vernon and Bowen, they committed. They said, boom, I'm going to Notre Dame. My commitment is over. Stop bothering me. I'm done. I'm all Irish. Go ND, blue and gold. We are ND. All of it. They're in. So guess what? They stopped going to these premier camps and stopped doing these things that are to heighten their presence. And be noticed and do all this other stuff. So then these recruiting 
scouts are like, oh, well, Jake Bowen isn't even here, so I can't grade him. But look, that guy got faster, so I'm going to move him ahead of Drake Bowen. Oh, that guy is doing this. I'm going to move him ahead of Drake Bowen. Oh, this guy he got a little bit stronger. I'm going to move him ahead of Vernon. And that's what happens. It's not that these kids got any worse at football. Drake Bowen said as much on Twitter. He's like, I didn't get worse at football. I promise you. He just didn't do all the other stuff that gets you propped up by these recruiting sites and adds stars and accolades and all this other whatnot. Meanwhile, the dude won the Buckus Award for high school football, was Mr. Indiana, all that happy horse shit, right? But somehow he's not a five-star anymore. Hey, so be it. We'll happily take you, Mr. Drake Bowen, and you can be a stud linebacker for us. But we we have 24 stars. That's really, really good. Okay, and yes, we just went down to a few five stars. I get it, and we got to try to figure out and navigate this whole recruiting NIL era. Which again, NIL is that's just what we're calling it, but it it, it can't possibly be NIL because, to, in my opinion, you're literally giving kids money for something they haven't even done yet. They're they're there needs to be some sort of regulations on how the NIL is earned and how this money is earned. I'm not against kids making money and making the most they can make. I'm against it being used as a recruiting tool with monetary value and whatnots being discussed prior to the kid ever enrolling in the university. That's an issue that needs to be corrected. Now, if you know someone that goes to the school and says, hey, you know, I'm getting such and such for this, for that, whatever. Like, oh, okay. I mean, obviously there's going to be information flying around. But the stories that there's too much much smoke for there not to be fire about kids literally being told, hey, you're going to get this many millions of dollars just by coming to our school. And you could argue the verbiage being said to them but it's that's basically what's being said you can dance around it all you want sugarcoat it whatever whatever your favorite sugar topping is the fact of the matter is they're basically being told hey come to said school we will give you two million dollars enjoy and here's the problem we've all been 17 18 years old some of you may listening right now might even be 17 or 18 years old. I don't know if you are listening. Awesome. Have fun. Adulthood's tremendous. Turning 21 is a great time. Cheers. I'm drinking a beer right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. Day off. Enjoying it. But we've all been there it, in the sense of the age. If someone approached you and said, hey, I'm going to give you $2 million just to be present and accounted for because that's literally what they're saying. I don't know of any uh, incentives attached to any of these things. And maybe some of that comes out over time, but it's not like, hey, we'll give you $2 million if you do this and this and this and this. It's not like they're just handing them money. Um, Or would you rather go somewhere with like, hey, come to, we got a great program. We got solid academics. More than solid. We got great academics. We can set you up for life. And we do do NIL. But 
you got to come here first, and then we'll sit down and discuss the options and see how much money you can make. Now, as a 38-year-old, I know what I would do because I know that 1% of all high school football players go on to play college football, and 1% of that 1% actually make it to the professional level. So what's more likely, you being an NFL player or having a regular-ass job where you need to make a living? And the reality is $2 million does not go as far as you might think. It's a lot of money, no doubt. But it is not never-ending. So uh, it's just, but if you're 18 years old, what are you going to do? And and that's where it gets all convoluted and, and fucked up. Sorry, I, well, I, I'm not clean on this show. Why am I apologizing? It's fucked up. But you look at our recruiting class, so forget all the bag men and NIL crap, whatever. We have a great class. We significantly improved the wide receiver position. In fact, what, our 5th, 6th, and... Uh, Rico Flores was further down our, our rank our recruit list. I, I thought he was higher. But anyway, James and Greathouse are like back-to-back, 5 and 6 rated recruits in our in this class that is awesome like we're finally going in the right direction because <clears throat> today's football we were lacking severely lacking in that department now Colsey's starting to show up we got Merriweather uh, Styles has had his moments he's also had a little bit of the dropsies Jaden Thomas is showing up like our wide receiver room looks tremendous and it's going to get stacked and you're going to see things that we don't love, but again, it's a product of getting better. There will be some transfers, just like we're seeing in the running back room, guys decommitting, and I think it has more to do with the amount of people in the running back room and only one football. <laughs> I mean, and running back position, maybe you get two on the field. Rarely are you ever going to see three. At least in the receiver position, you can see three, four on the field. So you, a little more confidence there. But receiver upgrade was needed and it happened and then we continue to fill spots that we're always badass at linemen um, we did get Jeremiah Love is our best running back recruit in a long time that's another reason a guy like Lamar and Edwards would leave well shit they already got Estime and Diggs and then they just got Love I mean where where do I fit in where am I going to play we don't know just show up and we'll figure it out then you got um, Brandon Hillman which we're not sure where he could play he could probably play running back there's the running back room is, is pretty pretty set. And we just got a commitment from uh Aeneas Williams. So like I feel like we're good at running back. And another spot where we were kind of weak was the secondary. Picked up Christian Gray, picked up Micah Bell. Uh we're what am I looking here? Uh I know there was another one. Oh, Minich, the safety. He's lower down, but he's still a four-star. I just and uh, Don Schuler, another four-star safety. We're we're filling positions of need and getting better. That's all you can ask for in recruiting. I like the class. Yes, we can talk about Bowen and Keeley and more and Lamar and and we can do that. I get it. But at the end of the day, our recruiting class is better than it's been 
in a lot of years. And this was Marcus Freeman's first attempt at this. He's only going to get better. And he's only going to learn on how to secure these five stars. I, we're going to figure this out. We're not going to become the bagman. I There's no way. It's just, it's just not Notre Dame. We're not going to do it. But Freeman's going to figure out a way to navigate it. I believe it because he cares that much. He's the anti-Brian Kelly. And real quick, yes, LSU finished ahead of us. And nothing to do with Brian Kelly. Sorry. LSU fans will talk shit about, ooh, thought you thought Brian Kelly was a lazy recruiter and couldn't recruit. Better than Notre Dame. Well, yeah. I, I, I told everybody that. LSU will recruit better than Notre Dame most years because it's LSU. The talent pool in Louisiana and the Southeast is much grander than Notre Dame locale-wise. LSU's in the SEC. That has a it's a bargaining chip that we don't have. We're not in the SEC. They're going to do it regardless of how lazy or not lazy their coach is. What they're lacking or missing is the fact that in one year, Marcus Freeman has had the second best class in, in the last 13. So Brian Kelly's 12. Plus Marcus Freeman's one. In one year, Marcus Freeman has the second best recruiting class behind Brian Kelly's one better season. That's what we're talking about. We're not trying to compare Notre Dame to LSU. That's not going to be a comparison that Notre Dame's going to win most years. But you look at Notre Dame against itself and what Brian Kelly chose not to do, and boom, here we are. We're moving in the right direction. We're moving in the right direction. It's got to keep going. So recruiting is on the right path. There's one spot that we did get a recruit. and He will be a true freshman. And it's quarterback position. Yes, we got Kenny Minchie. That is fantastic. I, he's probably going to be pretty good. I, I believe that. But he's still going to be a true freshman next year. And going into next year, all we have is who I've been talking about, Tyler Buckner. Still a question mark. Even after tomorrow, there's still going to be question marks. you got Steve Angeli, 100% a question mark. And then Kenny Minchie, even more of a question mark, just at the college level in terms of what Notre Dame knows. So what are we going to do? The portal. We've been talking about it. I, I haven't. I haven't been on in front of this microphone in, in weeks, but... It's been talked about. You've seen me talk about it on Twitter. I've been very active about that. I really like Hudson Card. He's now at Purdue. I really like Devin Leary. He's now at Kentucky. Uh, there was someone else I'm missing. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's irrelevant because as it sits today, it looks like Sam Hartman is going to end up transferring to Notre Dame. Now, there's a lot of stuff around that. Uh, there were legitimate writers, national writers, not just your Notre Dame guys, not just beat writers, not just national guys who cover only Notre Dame, like actual national guys, Pete Thamel is who I'm referring to, said, Sam Hartman is expected to enter the transfer portal and Notre Dame is the expected landing spot. And all you get from that is, well, obviously Notre Dame was tampering. 
And I got some heat for that. Well, you know, you're only saying that because it, you know, you you only know about Notre Dame. You're not paying attention. And well, if it, it has to be tampering, how else is? Like, dude, there's so many other examples. And maybe you're right. Maybe I am only looking through it, looking at it through Notre Dame's lenses, and I'm not looking at every single story. But I know the Jordan Addison thing that got a lot of heat. But I mean, just this year, Phil Jerk Ovik. Uh, that the Caleb Williams thing, uh, all the dudes going to Colorado from Jackson State, like that's cool. Well, it was Deion Sanders' kid. What else do you expect? It was Caleb Williams' coach. What else do you expect? I'm like, um, you, you can again sugarcoat it with whatever your favorite sugar topping is, but the fact of the matter is, that's the same fucking thing. If Notre Dame was doing any of that, which I don't believe so. I, I just don't believe that Notre Dame is doing it in a uh, illegal way. Okay? Because there's some loopholes within this whole tampering definition. It, you know, essentially, if the play, from my understanding, if the player reached out to the school in some capacity, that's. That, I, I, from my understanding, that's like fair game. It's not the school and the coaching staff didn't actively pursue Sam Hartman. Um, I, and I don't know the details of how this all went down. I really don't. Um, I want to say somebody sent me an article this morning. I have yet to read it. Uh, kind of somewhat a busy morning. Then ate lunch, sat down to do this. Um, but if he reached out to us, if players were talking to players, like as long as, from my understanding, as long as the coaching staff wasn't involved in the direct contact with Sam Hartman or Wake Forest, really, then there's nothing going on here. And I also know Sam Hartman said sometime in November that he was not going to be coming back to Wake Forest. Now, some people thought that might mean he's entering the NFL draft. As it turns out, he's going to transfer. Um, but, and then you look at, okay, well, if why is he not going to the NFL? He's been in college for how many years? Shouldn't he be uh, in line to go pro and da-da-da-da? And it, you're not wrong. I mean, he's had a several-year career at Wake Forest. Um but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about Notre Dame football and Notre Dame football getting better. And I'm tired. I'm literally tired of being a quarterback away. We've been a quarterback away since fucking Ian. Well, I say Ian Book, but even before that. Like, Deshaun Kaiser was pretty good. We only had one year of him. Uh, it's, it's like, when was the last time Notre Dame stepped onto the football field and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that's our quarterback. And people are going to say, oh, Ian Book, Ian Book, Ian Book. I I know it's a hypothetical. I know it can never happen. You still can't convince me otherwise. If Trevor Lawrence is wearing a gold helmet and Ian Book is wearing an orange helmet, Notre Dame wins a 2018 Cotton Bowl. That was the difference. So while Ian Book was great, he was wonderful, he was never getting us to where we needed to go. But the fact that he got us that close... And we have a guy in Sam Hartman 
who I think I heard somebody say he's a he's a slightly better version of Drew Pine. Are you fucking kidding me? Did you watch Drew Pine at all? And then they're gonna point to the well. What about his um, overall for the season? He's a sixty-four percent completion guy, and he's actually a better um, on the season than uh, Sam Hartman. And I'm like, yeah. And Drew Pine also inflated his numbers in three games. He was 80% against BYU, 81 against Navy, and 88 versus USC. Uh, are we totally just going to gloss over the five games below 53% passing? We're just, ah, who cares? Ah, no biggie. He can throw for 47, 48, and 50%, 52, 52.8. Who cares? Meanwhile, Sam Hartman's lowest completion percentage in any single game was 58. Uh, the yardage, the touchdowns, um, he is mobile. So he, a better version of Drew Pine? He, no. I always said Drew Pine was a lesser version of Ian Book. Sam Hartman is a better, and a noticeably better version of Ian Book. He is a significant improvement over Drew Pine. But if that's your bar, I feel bad for you, son. Because that's not, that's not a hard, hard bar to clear, tell you that much. And we just have too many questions at quarterback. We need a guy like Hartman. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you watch the Gasparilla Bowl, which let's hope if we get Hartman, that's not where we're ending up. <clears throat> uh, he, he does things that we have been dying to see. He keeps his eyes downfield. He's elusive. He's tough. Like I, I don't care that well, if he's he shouldn't he be in the NFL if he's da 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 da? I I don't know, but tell you what, he's an upgrade for everything we got, and we'll take him. And then you got Wake Forest people, uh, they're hilarious. They are funny, cause they're <laughs> that's like I can't believe he's not he's gonna leave us like this. I'm like, well, maybe he wants to win something of significance. And then somebody's like, oh, so you're guaranteeing a uh, college football playoff? I said it's possible. I wouldn't guarantee it, but sure the hell a lot more possible at Notre Dame than it is at Wake Forest. And that cannot be argued. And then some this jackass was like, oh, yeah, Notre Dame's so much better. You were one game better than Wake Forest this year. Wake Forest's best season in the history of their football team was 2020, and Notre Dame was better. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure Hartman wants to go somewhere where it's possible. Is it guaranteed? Is it a certainty? Absolutely fucking not. But I'm I'm pretty sure he'd like to win something that matters. And it's possible at Notre Dame. It, I just, it's literally, it's not possible at Wake Forest. It's not. This, if Hartman can do what he's been doing at Wake Forest, now surround him with the supporting cast and the talent Notre Dame has, which, again, we've been a quarterback away for too many fucking years. We got defense. We got receivers. We got running backs. We got linemen. Like, we do. And that's the other thing. Well, not with this receiving core. This receiving core is trash. Is it, though? Or did we have a quarterback that um, was, like, absolutely in love with Michael Mayer and was limited, couldn't throw over the middle because he would hit his own lineman in the back of the fucking head? And Brayden Lindsey's running wide open all fucking season. So that it's his fault that Drew Pine couldn't hit him? 
that's a receiver problem. No, no, it's not. So I am all about getting Sam Hartman on our side. I would love it. Number 10 is available. It was worn by a quarterback. It only makes sense. I just, that's that's the path. Um, this I, Again, I don't want to speak in certainties or anything like that. I just think from what we have and what our options are, Sam Hartman puts us in a position to, in my opinion, legitimately compete and have a chance at a college football playoff that I never, I haven't felt, even with Ian Book, it, it felt a little smoke and mirrors-ish. It really did. And yeah, we got close last year with Jack Cohn. Fucking Cincinnati, man. But even with Jack Cohn, it was like, eh, I don't know. So I, I like the possibility of landing Sam Hartman. So after we celebrated Gator Bowl win, the next week, I you know what I would love is if we land Hartman before I record next. So we can discuss that and be excited about that. That would be fun. But that's that's where I'm at. I didn't want to make make, make this too long. <clears throat> I know it's been a while. There's a lot of stuff I could have discussed. But I, I've been on Twitter. You've seen me on Twitter at Five for Nothing Pod. Follow me there. I put a lot of the thoughts that sometimes don't make it to my audio podcast. They're all on Twitter. I'm there a lot. I love it. I'm I'll argue and debate anybody anywhere anytime. Even some of you that listen to me and like all my stuff and everything. I'll We'll have our back and forth. I'm sure of it. It exists. Whether it's about Christmas movies or otherwise, we will discuss things. And that's where you can find most of my takes. Some of them are hot takes. Some of them are not. Some of them are looking through my shamrock colored glasses. Some of them are more objective. But go find me on Twitter, at 5 for Nothing Pod. You can always DM me if you prefer email. Five for nothing pod at gmail.com. And tomorrow, at exactly this time, we're going to be saying, Go Irish! Be Gamecocks! USC Junior is going down tomorrow. All right? You'll see me on Twitter. Car bombs are happening. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Love it. Happy New Year, everybody. Go Irish. Five for nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.